Hey, I'm Brandon, the online campus pastor here at Big Valley Grace, and thank you for taking a moment to watch this message. It is the teaching portion from one of our live weekend worship gatherings, and we have those every single weekend here online and in person, and I just want to extend an invitation to you to join us. We're just a local church, local body of believers, and we would love if you would join us uh, on a weekend upcoming here sometime soon. Uh, but as we get headed into this message together, a couple things just want to point you to. One is a connect card. If there's any way that, that we can pray for you, if you want to contact us, that Connect card form is just a really great way uh, to let us know that you're joining us. Any next steps you want to take, stuff like that is right on there. Also, if you want to bring an offering, a worshipful gift uh, to King Jesus, you can do that right on our Give page on our website or via text. So hope you enjoy the unpacking, the unfolding of the Word as we look at it together. Happy Father's Day to you guys. Good morning. Great to be with you guys. My name is Ben Kelly, and I'm the pastor of our lay counseling department here at Big Valley Grace, and I have the privilege of working with some fantastic volunteer lay counselors, and I'm excited to be with you guys today as well. But uh, if you would, why don't we just close our head, close our, close our eyes, bow our heads, and uh, I'd love to pray for us um, even after that fun video. So Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for what you have prepared for us to hear, and I just pray that you would give us the courage to listen, the courage to apply it to our life. And we thank you that you are the greatest example of who we are supposed to be. And uh, just guide our time this morning. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You'll see a picture of my family on the screen. And in March, the four of us went to New York for the first time. And we made it our goal as we were there in New York to try to see as much as we possibly could to have a great understanding of New York. And so we did all the things, went to Statue of Liberty Empire State Building, the 9-11 Memorial, the Metropolitan Museum of Arts. We did all kinds of stuff. We rode the subways and learned what exits to get off, what exits not to get off on. And it was a great time. But even being there just that small amount and trying to do everything, we could never get to see all of New York. And get a full, full picture of what New York is all about. And in a similar way, uh, as we've been walking through the book of Luke in the New Testament, and we are like on week seven, it's hard to get a full picture of exactly what the disciples were experiencing. And what was taking place, and as we get to listen and read about the disciples and their interaction with Jesus, what was happening is, Jesus was re revealing the plan of his heavenly father. You know, he was the exact representation of who God was. And he was revealing that to the disciples. And the disciples were seeing it in real time. And as Pastor Joel was talking last, last week about the disciples crossing the lake with Jesus and how they lacked faith. And I can read that at times and say to myself, well, how come they just didn't understand? How come they, they couldn't see what Jesus was doing? Because it was unfolding right in front of them. And God's will sometimes is so big. And his plan for us is so immense. We can't fully understand it and grasp it. Because it's unfolding for us in real time. And we just get the opportunity this morning as we look through Luke 9. To see the little interaction that Jesus has with his disciples. But how it also applies to our life. And so we're going to start with Luke chapter 9 verses 18 to 20, and you can read along with your Bible or your electronic device, however you read the Bible, or even on the screens. And it says, 
Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. And he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But others say, Elijah, and others that one of the prophets of old has risen. Then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, the Christ of God. And I love reading Jesus' interaction with his disciples and with people. It makes me think of a lot of different things. But I, I wonder at first, what was it like just to hear Jesus speak? I know he spoke in a different language, of course. But was his voice higher than most? Was it lower than most? Like, how would he enunciate the words that he was using? Would he pause between phrases, perhaps? Did he not mind the long silence that would sometimes take place when he asked a question? I wondered those things, and I, of course, don't have the answers to those. But one thing I do know about when Jesus spoke and interacted with people, he left their hearts burning. Either burning with the desire to know more of him and God's plan, or burning with rage. Because he would share things with certain people, and it would offend their minds. And in doing that, it would reveal their hearts. I think of later on in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verse 32. Then they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? while he opened to us the scriptures. And that's Jesus' interaction with the disciples. And I think that God created us with a deep desire, a passion to be devoted to things. Most importantly, he created us to be devoted and passionate about him. But if you're anything like me or any other human being, we can be passionate about a whole lot of things in our life, can't we? I can be passionate about my wife. She's great. And I can be, oh man, I want to make my life about her. We can be passionate about our kids. We want to live our lives for and through our kids. You know, just uh, another, last month, my wife and I had, our kids are 20 and 17. And so it seems like every month there's some new thing that's happening that we've never experienced as parents. I guess that just happens when you're a parent. And my daughter was driving down south for the first time. And she's never driven that far. My son, on the same day, I don't know why, was driving to a fishing trip. And it was his longest journey that he had taken by himself. And so we're on the couch and we're just kind of glued to our phones, wondering where they are, watching the Live 360. Because we're concerned about them. We're passionate about them at times. But I can be passionate about, about a lot of things and stuff. I'm passionate about the Giants sometimes when they're on a winning streak. Of like six games right now, I think it is. I can be passionate about work. I can be passionate about many things and many people. We even hear the word passion when it refers to Jesus. The passion of the Christ. Speaking about the arrest, the trial, and the suffering that he took on for our sins. But this word passion speaks about our desires and our devotion which is what I believe Jesus was referring to when he asked that question to his disciples of, who do you say I am? And that same question rings loud and true for us today of, who is Jesus to you? Who do you say I am? And I think Jesus takes the statement a little bit further when he talks in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 to 26. And this passage says, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, 
Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some, or you guys don't have that one, but I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. I just added that for you on accident. There you go. What we believe or who we believe Jesus to be is gonna decide what we do with that statement of denying ourselves and taking up our cross. And what Jesus is pointing to is our devotion, our passions, our desire. Are we willing to lay those down for him and his glory and what God has prepared for us? I think about the disciples again. And earlier in Luke chapter five, you'll see that Jesus tells his disciples, hey, put your nets down into the water on this side of your boat. And they do so and they catch an enormous amount of fish. And they pull up the fish onto the shore. And, and if you remember, and maybe you do, maybe you don't, when they pull those fish to shore, it says they left it. And they followed him. I'm not a great fisherman. My son's pretty good at fishing, and we try to go fishing every now and then. But when we're not catching fish, we're just kind of gloom and like, this is a lot of fun. But then all of a sudden, when we start getting a few bites and when we start catching a fish, we don't want to leave. In fact, one day I was fishing with my son when he was younger, and it was a cold morning, and he's in the boat, and he's like all cuddled up and stuff, and he's freezing. He's like, Dad, it's so cold. I'm like, okay, buddy, we're going to go. And all of a sudden, I started catching fish. And unfortunately for Sam, he had to stay cold a little bit longer because you're catching fish. And there's even country songs that talk about relationships being broken up because people are catching fish. My point is this. They pull up these fish to the shore and they leave him. They leave the fish. Because when Jesus collides with our life, our devotion is revealed and then we have the opportunity to respond to him. Jesus is pointing out to the fact that, hey, Devotion to this world is never going to bring fulfillment. Devotion to things and others, although we think it's going to bring fulfillment, we may not come right out and say that, but we believe it's going to provide for us some sense of joy or everlasting fulfillment. But it won't. It will not. And I, and I know that to be true for my own life. And you can make that your own case study if you choose to do so. But choosing the world, being devoted to the world has only led for me to indifference, apathy, a lack of concern and hopelessness. You just look at how things are playing out right now. At no other time in life have we had more access to that which we need and that which we desire. But has it brought joy and has it brought contentment? No. It's brought Apathy, depression, hopelessness, suicide. Jesus says we are losing our life because our devotion is aimed at the wrong thing. We were designed to have that aimed at Jesus. And let me tell you what, devotion to Jesus leads to wonder. It leads to being awestruck, to astonishment, to being amazed. As you read through the book of Luke, 
Maybe you have noticed already, and maybe we just need to keep an eye out for it. You will see that people are filled with wonder after all the things that Jesus does and how God's plan is revealed through him. I don't know about you, but I want wonder and amazement rather than hopelessness and apathy. And I think we all inwardly long for that. You were built for eternity. You are. God designed you to live forever. And we have the opportunity to either live with him or live away from him. My wife and I were talking to our financial planner uh, some time ago. And I said, hey, Casey, we're looking at the numbers now of like how much money we have saved up for retirement. And if we were to retire right now, Casey, it looks like we can survive for six months. And he's like... You bet, you bet. He goes, but Ben, it's, it's a long-term investment. And of course, we understand that. And it's not bad to prepare for our future, but there's an entirely different retirement plan that Jesus is saying that we need to prepare for. And it's eternal one. He even says, what profit is it if we gain the whole world and forfeit our soul? I think the Bible even speaks to the fact that You know, do not store for yourself on earth where moths and rust destroy, but store it for yourself treasures in heaven. And so I get to the point of when I'm preparing these things and when I'm listening to people, I always get to this question of like, so what? So what does this mean for me, Ben? You may be thinking that today, I don't know. And really, that's up to the Lord and that's up to you. It's what the Holy Spirit is trying to speak to your heart about and what you to decide with what the Spirit is telling you to do. But for me, as I think about Father's Day, I think of the term being a devoted dad and a devoted husband. Um, And so I thought, why not talk about some ways to be devoted to our Heavenly Father, which is the greatest way in which we can care for anybody on this planet. And so this message is not just for dads, It's for any person who seeks to make Jesus their Lord and Savior. These are not the only three things either. It's just three things that I thought God has been working in my life over the last four and five years. So here they are. I'm excited about them, but it's whatever the Spirit wants to teach you. Number one, we need to see Jesus for who he is. That's how we can be devoted to Christ. And he is Savior. He is the Christ, the anointed one, the Son of God the bread of life, the way, the truth, the light of the world, the lamb who was slain for us. He is my savior. Maybe he has saved you. Maybe you wonder, can he save me with the past and my current situation that I'm in? I mentioned earlier that we are passionate about certain things and certain people. And Jesus has saved me from my, really, my addiction to self and my own sin. When it comes about being passionate about other things and people, it really centers around on us. If you take a deep look at it, we're passionate about our own desires and it can center around control, security, affirmation, or comfort. But I used to say that I was passionate about my wife and she is great, don't get me wrong. But it wasn't until 
I realized that I was trying to find my self-worth from being with her. I'm passionate about my kids, but am I trying to seek value in who I am from them? I used to say I was passionate about ministry. <gasps> Such a great thing. But if that's where I get my true definition of self-worth from, then something's lacking. Those are good things, but really it's not until those were slipping through my fingers that I began to realize that Jesus was all I had and that my devotion to him is the only thing that's going to bring true joy, true comfort, true healing. He is my savior. He saved me from myself, my distorted thinking, my pride, my addictions, my fears, my hurts, my habits, my hangups. Perhaps you recognize the vocabulary that I'm using, and it's the vocabulary of Celebrate Recovery. I have the privilege of working alongside one of the great guys, Pastor Scott Stubbert, and along with many other men and women in Celebrate Recovery. And we come here on Tuesday nights and we rub shoulders together and we learn about redemption through the steps. But I don't just get to work alongside him and go there and be a part of it. I go to Celebrate Recovery because I need it. And the reason why is because Jesus saved me through Celebrate Recovery. Because I'm addicted to myself and my own thinking. There was a collision four years ago between Jesus and myself and he won out. And I wonder if he has collided with your life. I had to lay down my devotions, my desires, my plans, my hopes and my dreams. And I'm trying to make them his. What about for you? Have you allowed Jesus to save you? Or are you trying to save yourself? We even do it with Jesus. We say, I want to make Jesus my Lord and Savior so that all my dreams and hopes and plans can come true. And Jesus is saying, my dad already has great hopes, dreams, and plans for you. So stop striving after that which you think might bring fulfillment and just pick up your cross and enjoy what I have planned for you. Yeah, it's gonna be difficult and hard probably, but it'll bring fulfillment to you. The disciples were in a process of understanding this as God was revealing it. And maybe you too are in a process just like I am of understanding what this is all about. The second way we can be devoted to Christ is to see ourselves for who we are. First is to see Jesus for who he is. Secondly, to see ourselves for who we are. And who are we? We are part of God's story, not the other way around. God is not part of your story. You are part of his. And I thought just a way to think about this, there's another passage out of the book, out of, out of Luke chapter nine that I'd like for us to read. But sometimes what I enjoy doing when I'm reading God's word is I like to have a little, I like to have music with it. And as we talk about the transfiguration, that's what this this passage is dealing with, I thought, what better way, let's have some transfiguration music. And so I'm gonna read this and just try to think deeply about who Jesus is and what God's allowing us to be part of because we're part of something more. It says, now about eight days after these sayings, he took with them Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. 
And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he has said. As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid, and they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. What an incredible thing to be part of. Peter, James, and John didn't dream that up. That was part of God's plan of revealing himself to this world. And he let the three of those guys come along and be a part of it. And in the same way, God allows us to be part of his plan. Could you imagine how that must have impacted their lives? Later on, they would talk to each other. Remember, remember when we were on the mountain and all of a sudden God spoke? And likewise, when God allows us to be part of his story, we get to look back on that and say to each other, remember Remember when God intervened in our life and did a work that only he could do? Because on our own, we couldn't have done it. Why would God choose to use such flawed people to be part of a story? To tell of his wonderful salvation offered through Jesus Christ. And I, I, it can only be because he loves us so passionately. Even when you think about prayer and how God uses our prayer to accomplish his will, that's an extraordinary thing. God uses the good in our life, but he also uses the failures in our life. He especially uses the failures. That's why he's Savior, because he saves us from our failures and works through them. When we see ourselves as broken people in need of a Savior, it gives room for God to do, do His work. And we get to lay down our devotion, our self, our pride, our ego, our sin, and God works. Even when we're caught in our sin, even when we're found out, and we think, oh, I was hoping no one was going to ever find that out. That takes place because God loves you. Because He doesn't want you to continue down that life of sin and secrecy. He wants to begin to move and change your life. Dads, let me tell you something specifically this Father's Day. Father's Day is tough for me, typically, because I always feel like I'm never measuring up as a dad. I can only think of all the things that I fail in doing. I think of the times where I have to go to my kids and say, I'm sorry for getting mad. There was no reason for me to get mad. I mean... You're younger than I am. I should not expect you to try to think as a dad, as someone who's 47. Why would I even think you should? Sometimes I have to stop projecting my own fears upon them and stop saying, now be careful, you need to do this, and you need to do this, and don't do that, and don't do that. Have you thought about this taking place? I need to stop that. 
God knows that you can't be Jesus. He knows that he has to do the work. And so just take a little bit of a deep breath and know that you're part of God's story. And we need to direct our kids and others to who God is, which really is the last point for this morning of how to be devoted to Christ. That's seeing other people for who they are. You know, when we see Jesus for who he is, it allows us to see ourselves for who we are, which gives us then the ability to see and accept other people as they are. You know, it's the same thing as Matthew 22, 37 to 40, isn't it? Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Psalm 139 says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. We read this passage sometimes when we think about how God has created us. But God has also created the other people who are around you and who live in the same home as you just the way he wanted to, with all their good things and all their imperfections too. And this goes for all of us. Here's the thing is you are part of people's stories. You are not the God of their story. And when God started revealing that in my life, man, it kind of allowed me to breathe a little easier. Oh, I don't have to be responsible for their life. But it also corrected some of my thinking that I can't create a change in them that only God can do. I'm only a part of my kid's story. I don't have to point out every single step. Yes, I think I might have a few good ideas and I don't have to have a completely hands-off approach, but sometimes they need to fail just like I do. And I need to see them for who they are and they're God's child. They're just on loan to me for a little while. But he also lends us time with other people. You know, our, our immediate family, friends, coworkers, whoever you may be involved with. You know, God allows you to be part of their lives, not the God of their lives. Yeah, we probably have tons of great ideas. But God's ideas are the things that are to win out. God's the one who truly changes the hearts of people. We see it all the time and. And I get the opportunity to talk with people and we talk countless times about the fact that only God can change the heart of an individual. All we get to do is be part of their story and encourage them to pursue the Lord with everything that we have. But I'll tell you, it all starts, all of these things and about devotion to Christ, it all starts with him and who we say Jesus is. It's interesting that as you read the parallel accounts of Jesus' conversations with the disciples, and those parallel accounts are the same story in the different Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And sometimes they'll say something a little bit more that may expand on what God was doing and how he was working. And in Matthew, it records when Jesus asked the question to the disciples this way. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And one of the interesting thing is, is that God is revealing himself to us. God has been working and moving 
in your life long before you came here this, this morning. And after we're done, God will continue working and moving and revealing his plan in your life. And our response to that needs to be, God, do with me what you will. Grow me into the person you desire me to be. And perhaps you, just like me, um, have understood that devotion to this world does lead to hopelessness and apathy and a lack of concern. And maybe you're starting to understand who Jesus is and God may be drawing you to himself as God reveals himself. It's not by any man or woman's doing. God draws you and reveals himself. And maybe this morning may be the time where you're like, I think I want to believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And if that's you, I want to encourage you, just as I did 30 years ago, to pray a prayer similar to this. And so I'm going to ask that, you know, we just close our eyes or bow our heads. And if you find yourself at a point where you say, I want to believe in Jesus. And I'm tired of living this life, um, seeking to find fulfillment and joy from this world. If that's you, then I'm just going to encourage you to pray a prayer that goes like this. God, I believe that I am a sinner and in need of a Savior. I believe to the best of my ability right now that Jesus is that Savior, that he died on a cross, was buried in a tomb, and then rose three days later. Allow me to grow into the person you desire me to be. Amen. If you prayed that prayer tonight, I want to tell you tonight, this morning, that's a pretty incredible thing. And as Luke talks about being astonished and being amazed, one of the amazing things that take place is that the angels and the Lord rejoices in heaven over things that take place like this when we repent of our sin. At the end of Luke chapter 9, um, Jesus does a miracle and it says they were all amazed. They were all astonished. And that's what God does. When Jesus is revealed to us and we receive him, we just stand amazed and astonished. But perhaps you know Jesus like I did for many years and your devotion may be wavering back and forth, not questioning your salvation, but questioning your devotion of saying, Ben, I still am trying to seek after that which is not Jesus. And maybe this morning is a chance for you to turn your life back over to him and surrender your will because it is a daily wrestling match with him of laying down our devotion and picking up our cross for him. In a few moments, Brandon's gonna close this out, but let me just pray for us, if I could, and then I'll be done. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this place and the opportunity we have to look at your word. And the only good things that we need to remember or put in practice is that which you prompt us to do. Would you encourage those who are here, if there are those who have received you as their Lord and Savior, Lord, let them tell someone. Let, them be, let that be the first step. We thank you for being our Heavenly Father, 
for being a great example and for loving us no matter what takes place. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.